Well, we are continuing a series on Jesus as a disciple maker. And we're trying to learn that as a disciple making church, as a church that really seeks to help each other grow in every aspect of our lives, that we would look to Jesus as our model. Um, as we think about today, but the first kind of idea that I bring up is this idea that, look, life is pretty full. I, I don't know if you feel busy. I don't know anybody that I talk to that when I say, how are you doing, they don't respond, I'm busy. I called my mom this week. <clears throat> my mom's retired. It probably isn't the busiest time in her life, I'm just going to say. But I just asked her, how are you doing? How are things going? Oh, it's so busy. We had two visitors this week. I thought, Okay, good. I mean, yeah, that doesn't sound especially busy at this stage in my life, but for her, that was pretty busy to have company, and, and it was pretty busy. So we all feel very busy. We all have things to do. I definitely need to get a haircut. That's on the picture. Um, but it's summertime, and uh, this is a time when historically we've been maybe a little bit fewer in number uh, in attendance because people are off at the beach or off at vacations visiting family. Um, I definitely had car repairs this week. I know Rachel and Ryan had two cars. Both cars were down on the same day. I, life is just full of stuff and, and full of, wait a second, full of opportunities. That's the next slide, right? Life is full of actual opportunities. One of you was sharing this week how he began to share with the barber about Jesus as the conversation began to turn. Um, I kept thinking, well, hey, I went to the auto mechanic. I had to replace a, get a battery recharged in my car. I was like, what shirt do I wear? Well, I was wearing one about God. I thought, well, maybe I shouldn't teach my God is love. No, absolutely. I'm going to wear my God is love shirt because I want him to know that God loves the guy who's going to fix my battery. God wants to repair his life. We have so many opportunities to share about the good news of Jesus, to invite people into this relationship, to invite people into the experience of his presence. I appreciate the worship today, the music time, because we just sat and I thought, Jesus is right here. What if we formed a circle and Jesus was right here with us? Fairest Lord Jesus, I just want to be in your presence. There is a world that doesn't even know that they want to be in his presence. What were your opportunities this week to make Jesus known? The Apostle Paul in the book of Colossians tells us this. He says, and pray. Pray for us that God may open a door for our message. Now, it's not just any message. It's not a political message. It's not some kind of an economic message. It's not, he's not trying to sell anything. He's trying to give life, the message of Jesus, to proclaim, he says, the mystery of Christ for which he's in chains. He's literally in prison, and he's still praying for opportunities to make Jesus known. He says, look at verse 4. Pray that I might proclaim it clearly as I should, and be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Paul was praying for open doors for himself as apostle, for himself as a missionary, for himself as one who made Jesus known. But he very quickly was reminding the congregation, the people in Colossae, the church, and you be wise. And you look for opportunities. You make the most of every opportunity to make Jesus known. Well, that kind of sometimes puts me in a quandary because I start thinking, 
Okay, make the most of every opportunity. So, all right, <clears throat> at the checkout this morning at the grocery store. Okay, I'm buying some donuts. Okay, um, do you know the bread of life? You know, or, <laughs> do I need to, does every single word out of my mouth, does it need to actually be almost even awkward with every friend, every family member? I don't think so. I think we can learn from Jesus, our disciple maker, the one who is our model of how to make the most of every opportunity. So let's look at John chapter 11 and see the model that Jesus gives. In John chapter 11, there was a very specific situation. It says in verse 1, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, was actually the bro- whose brother was now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped uh, his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, the one you love is sick. What can we already learn from this passage? What can we already learn from this passage? Well, we already know that these were people that Jesus had a relationship with. Jesus had already made an impact in Mary's life. He had turned her life around. She was weeping at his feet, pouring perfume, wiping the tears off his feet with her hair. Clean. This Mary had been, her life completely turned around by Jesus. It impacted her sister Martha and her brother Lazarus. These had become friends of Jesus. In making the most of every opportunity, so often it's not just the stranger, but it's people we know. Neighbors, loved ones, family members, co-workers. It's often the people that are right next door, the people that are right there all the time. These were people who already knew about Jesus. And here we see in a time of need, they were so open to hearing about or to experiencing what Jesus could bring. Jesus, come. We need you now. We need you here. One of my dear friends, Vicki and I have a friend that, quite honestly, we spend a lot of time with. Pretty resistant to, to anything religious. Some of her religious background, she doesn't want to hear it. She doesn't want to talk about it. She just... I keep thinking, you know I'm a pastor, right? But still, you know, she, she, she likes to hang out with us. We go, we cook hamburgers or watch Star Wars or whatever we do. But uh, she's open to hanging out, but talking about God, she's pretty resistant to. Until she had a family member who was dying of cancer. And all of a sudden, some of the questions start coming up. All of a sudden, She's open to me praying for her and praying for him and praying out loud and praying in her presence. Before it was always, no, no, no. But now, in a time of need, there was an opportunity. Verse 4. When Jesus heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. It is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. All of a sudden, we realize that Jesus knew there was a larger purpose. All of a sudden, Jesus knew that this ordinary situation had become something that was extraordinary. This ordinary part of life that was difficult, that was tragic, that was hard, was now had been infused with meaning. It had purpose. And Jesus says, It's for God's glory. 
How many things in our lives do we think of just as a hassle? I got to be honest, I think there was like almost like a demon that was anti-car demon last week, right? Uh, Rachel and Ryan's like, Rachel's like, yeah, my car's dead. And so she's calling Ryan. Ryan's like, uh, I can't help you because the other car's dead. And like two days later, Vicky's like, um, our car's dead. I don't know. It was just like, there was like a demonic power that could suck all the energy out of the batteries or destroy the alternators or I don't know what it was. But it's, what was interesting is how many times like, well, there's a non-Christian friend that helps with, 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 with auto repairs, maybe he could come over. You know, these were the kind of situations that all of a sudden, maybe this will give us an opportunity to spend some more time with friends or to spend some more time. It became, it came, I had to do some driving, helped out Rachel, and we got to just spend some more time together. And actually, it was a time of retreat for me spiritually. I, it was crazy how God had a different purpose, how often we see things as a hassle and inconvenience, but maybe God has something else going on. I've kind of come to believe that the reason I don't see situations as opportunities for God to move, the reason I don't see them as opportunities for God to do something significant in my life or in the life of somebody else, is because I'm in a hurry. I'm the one who thinks I'm busy. I think I'm so overwhelmingly busy that, oh my goodness, everything's an inconvenience. Oh, the car. Oh, the ordering stuff from Amazon. Oh, oh no. We get to order our stuff from Amazon now, right? I mean, we used to actually have to go to the store. I mean, we think of all of this stuff, everything, even our most convenient things, we treat them as inconveniences, and we're just in such a rush that we don't have time to make the most of every opportunity. I think what it takes, number one, is to be patient. To be patient. To wait for things to fully come about. Look at what Jesus did. It says in verse 5, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Don't miss that. Jesus loved them. Jesus did not want Lazarus to go through sickness. Jesus did not want Mary and Martha to lose their brother. Jesus did not want tragedy to come in their lives. Jesus did not want any of that. He loved them. But, look at verse 6. When he heard that Lazarus was sick, back, back up one. When he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Wait, What? He didn't jump up. He didn't rush to the side of his friends. He didn't immediately come. He could have fixed the situation easily. But he knew there was a bigger purpose. So he actually waited two more days and then said to the disciples, let's go back to Judea. Now, this caused a whole bunch of problems. The disciples began to complain, Jesus, the people there are trying to kill you. Jesus, the people there are, there's a lot of opposition there. Jesus, this is not going to go well. We don't need to go back. Look, Lazarus, if he's kind of a little sick, he'll get better. It'll probably be fine. Don't worry about it. In verse 14, Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you might believe. Let us go with him. Jesus was patient because he was patient and he had a purpose. He knew that by waiting for Lazarus' death, he would have an opportunity to convince even his own disciples and really the world that he was the Messiah. He is the author of life. He is the one who can raise the dead, bring back the, you know, heal the sick, cure the blind. He's the one that can change the course of nations. He was purposeful and he was patient to achieve that purpose. 
There's, interesting when we talk about the word time, right? Um, <clears throat> philosophers love to talk about time as one of our biggies, right? And there's, you know, different types of time in philosophy. There's McTaggart's theory of time. And they're, okay, we could go. But the ancient Greeks actually had two different theories of time. They had two words for time that were their main words for time. There was chronos time, which is like chronology, which just means the passing of time, just sort of moment by moment, minute by minute, hour by hour, chronos time. It's sequential. It's orderly. It's the passing of time. But they had another word for time, kairos. Kairos time was a different idea of time. It was the idea of the right time, the right time. In the, the Apostle Paul uses these differences uh, in the book of Titus, for example, um, in his opening words in the chapter 1, he ends up saying that, hey, God who promised, the God who does not lie, promised us to give us eternal chronos, eternal time, life everlasting, going on and on and on. But in the next verse, he says, God who promised that has now given us the right time now, the Kairos time, the right time now to fulfill his promise and proclaim the mystery of Christ, proclaim Jesus. There's these different types of times. And, and, and I think Jesus has this idea that we need to learn from God, that God, who could have sent the Messiah at any time, sent Jesus at just the right time. Made the proclamation of Jesus just the right time. That we also need to learn that there is the right time to proclaim Jesus. Making the most of every opportunity does not mean trying to push open the door. It doesn't mean trying to force uh, someone to hear about Jesus that's not ready to hear. The right time is being patient, showing Christian love, and where we have opportunity, revealing specific things about Jesus at the right time. Jesus was patient in this situation. But don't be mistaken. Jesus was also intentional. I think it's the intentionality that helps us know through the guidance of the Holy Spirit what the right time is. If I'm going into it like, well, Jesus is going to have to like, I don't know, put like giant flashers in the sky for me to ever proclaim him. No, no, no. My idea is I'm always looking for that opportunity and asking God to give me wisdom. Is this the right time? I'm intentional about my life. If I'm going to have lunch with you, <clears throat> my goal is to share some scripture with you. Now, now, you may say, well, gosh, can't we just have a cup of coffee and talk about the day? <clears throat> Absolutely. Absolutely. But my goal is to give you some spiritual gift, something that you and I could be mutually encouraged in our faith. I want to share some <clears throat> scripture or idea, something that would help you, something that then would help me as well. Look at how Jesus was intentional. In verse 17, it says, On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. You get that, right? He's dead, dead. <laughs> He's not kind of dead. He's not, oh, a little bit. He could still be resuscitated. He's not, no, no, this is, this is, he's completely dead. The cells have completely stopped working. There isn't like, okay, quick, somebody do CPR. It is too late for CPR. He's not coming back at this point. At least, not in our power. 
And in Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. Many of the Jews, people from all around, had now heard that, yes, Jesus, uh, that Lazarus is dead. They had come to bring comfort. The news has now spread through the region. People wanting to pay their respects. People wanting to, to offer their condolences. People wanting to give encouragement. People wanting to weep and wail and just be sad with the sisters that their brother was dead. People had come from all around. It was just the right time. It was the Kairos moment that Jesus should show up. And it says many came to comfort them in their loss. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. There's the grief. Verse 24, or 20, no, no, uh, 21. Uh, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Mary stayed at home. I don't know if she was so angry at Jesus, she didn't even want to go meet him. Was Martha just doing the duty that, okay, this famous Jesus guest and friend of ours has come, I should go out and at least greet him at the town gate, I should at least make an effort, but I'm upset too. What was going on in their hearts and minds, and what was Jesus about to do? What was he about to say? What were the right words? We always need to be thinking about the purpose in the situation, right? When we encounter someone who is a friend, who is someone in need, we need to be like Jesus and think about the purpose of the situation. Does that person need comfort right now? Do they need encouragement right now? Does that person need confrontation right now? Does this someone need correction right now? Is that person even open to hearing about Jesus or open to hearing about correction or open to hearing the words of encouragement that you might give? Sometimes people just aren't even open to those things. Look at how where Mary's heart was, verse 21. It says, Lord, if you had been here, what does that tell me? What did that tell Jesus? She was hurting. Lord, if you had been here, Lord, if you had been with us, Lord, if you had been close by, Lord, why weren't you here when we needed you? But then she also says, and Lord, even now I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Would you at least pray for my brother that he'd have a good spot in heaven or something? I, I, it's too late. I, I know nothing can happen, but maybe even now there's an openness and there's a hurt. And Jesus in compassion says, your brother will rise again. Your brother will rise again. Do any of you struggle with what to say in times of grief? I got to be honest. I used to avoid those at the, uh, 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 and still to this day, it's not my favorite thing. If someone is really hurting, someone is really struggling, what, 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 do you ever have that, I don't know what to say. If I go by the hospital, if I go to the funeral, we had our dear sister, Liz Sales. What do we say to the family? What do we say to so many who are hurting, so many of you who are hurting today? What, what do we say in those moments? Well, we need to be wise in how, what we do in every situation. Look what it says uh, again in Colossians. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt. We don't always understand, and we shouldn't say, oh, I understand. I know what you're going through. We don't know. But we can be there and remind that we love, that we're here, that we're just, and that the Lord loves and cares.
we can be wise. Jesus, though, had an additional purpose. Jesus says this in verse 23. He says, your brother will rise again. And Martha says, well, yeah, yeah, I know. That's one of those nice comforting things. People say, he'll rise again. He'll be in heaven someday. He's, it's all, he's there. Okay, thank you. And Martha says, I know he will rise again at the resurrection at the last day. Thank you, Jesus. Those are kind words. But Jesus' purpose was so much more. Look what his purpose was about himself. Jesus is the I am who I am. That Jesus is the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the one who is the bread of life, the gate. He is the open door. Jesus is the one who says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection. It's in me. It's not in something else. It is not a future. It's not a pie in the sky. It is me, and I am standing right before you. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live. And even though they die, whoever lives, believing me will never die do you believe this he came with a purpose the purpose was for her to put her faith in him the purpose was to have an encounter with Jesus the purpose was to have a, a transformation in her perspective when she now realizes that he is the Messiah King and that life and death are in his hands that all things are in his hands do you believe this no do you believe this have you ever given your life to Jesus Christ or do you believe this when you're facing difficulties? <laughs> I know my Savior lives. My life is in you, Lord. My hope is in you, Lord. My strength is in you, Lord. I can do it in Russian, too, because I learned the song. Um, I, is he really, truly? My life, my strength, my hope, my all, because he's the resurrection life. I can face anything, even death. It's not death to him. Darkness is not darkness to him because he's the light of the world. Starvation is not starvation to him because he's the bread of life. He can handle any situation. Are we believing this? Because the world needs to know this. The world needs to know him. The world needs to know Jesus. So as we are patient in the back of our minds and really the forefront of our attention, we are always looking for how do we proclaim, how do we lift up, how do we invite people into experiencing the life that is in Jesus. Do you believe this? I'm not sure Martha completely understood it all, but her response was yes. Yes, Lord. I don't know if, how, how they believe in you and his eternal life, but look, I do. I got it. You are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. I, I, I've heard the miracles. I've seen what you can do. Martha steps out in as much faith as she can muster and as much understanding as she had and said, Yes, Lord. That's for all of us. If you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ and some who are here today may not have made that decision to follow him, would you say, Yes, Lord? And for those of us that are believers, how can we allow Jesus to just sink back to maybe thinking of him only on Sundays? How can we go through our work weeks and go through our days without just worshiping, without knowing, without somehow making the most of every opportunity where we intentionally are thinking, how can I make Jesus known? So be patient, be intentional. And finally, I think there's always this tempered uh, situation. We need to be empathetic. We need to be sympathetic. We need to be sensitive to where people are. 
Verse 32, the other sister comes. Jesus asked to see Mary. And it says, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was, she saw him. She fell at his feet. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She doesn't seem as open at this moment. She doesn't know, say, oh, and even now I know that, you know, you're special. Mary, whose life had been changed by Jesus at this moment, was so angry, was so discontent. I don't know that Jesus could have said anything. And in verse 33, he doesn't. It says, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And Jesus wept. So often, I think, the problem comes with Christians that when we get excited about Jesus, when we know he's the answer, we almost get out of control and stop being in a human relationship. We start being like, well, I've got to be intentional. So here, sometimes we need to stop and just hear the pain, hear the hurt, hear the suffering. We're going to point to Jesus. We're going to point to him. But first we point by caring, by loving. Rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep. Sometimes we just need to care. Maybe they don't need to know how much we know until they know how much we care. I know there's a way that phrase really goes, but you can hang in there with it, right? Are we showing people how much we care? I hope you know the rest of the story. Do you know the rest of the story? Jesus went to the tomb with Mary and Martha and many of the Jews who had come to weep with them. And and as they were there, when they got there, Jesus said, "Uh, roll that stone back. And Martha was the quick. The one who said she believed was quick to say, it's been four days, Jesus. You might not have realized this, but you're not wanting to go in there. It smells. The body has begun to decay. It's not okay. You do not want to go in there. And Jesus turned to Martha and said, Did I not tell you that you would see the glory of God if you only believe? They rolled back the stone. And Jesus prayed. And he said, this wasn't just for me. This was for them to hear. Because I know you hear me, Father. He had a purpose. And ultimately, his purpose was to glorify himself as Savior of the world so that people would put their faith and belief in him. He said to Lazarus, the dead guy, Come on out. And it says, Lazarus came out. The grave clothes still wrapped around him. And Jesus says, take the grave clothes off. Set him free. For us as believers in Jesus Christ, we have this incredible mission to set people free. To give them the hope that is found only in Jesus Christ. This church, as God recreates and gives life to the dead and rebirths a congregation to become a new group of people, a people that are all together, race, age, doesn't matter. We are all his people loved by God. That he has called us to be one people under his kingdom, under his leadership, to transform one another's lives as he works in us and through us, as he uses us to call us out, to take off the grave clothes, to leave behind those ways of life that were strapping us down, holding us back, keeping us from the life that God would give. Jesus has called us to be these intentional Messiah kings in each other's lives, calling each other forward. So I have some questions for you. You've heard the first one. Have you put your faith in Jesus? If not, that's where you begin. 
But two, are you aware, if you are a believer, are you aware of the opportunities that God has placed in for you in this congregation and outside this congregation to encourage one another, to build one another up? Are you intentional in your conversations? Or does each one just pass by and it could have happened and ultimately in eternity that conversation didn't matter at all? Or did you allow the Lord to use you as an ambassador of his love, of his truth, and of the truth that is in Jesus Christ? And brothers and sisters, we say we're family. We say we love each other. But I've got to be honest, sometimes we can be so busy with ourselves that we're not actually taking time to listen. We've all got stories that we can encourage one another, support one another, weep with one another, give joy, and and encourage one another. Are we with one another in our stories? Are you showing empathy? Are you being sensitive to others? This morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ, maybe today's your day. Maybe this is your moment that I'm going to stand here at the front. Aaron and Jim are going to lead us another couple songs. As we do, would you come and respond to Jesus and say, look, I, I want to put my faith in Jesus. You're welcome to do that right where you're sitting. Just say, Jesus, forgive me. But if you want to know more, I'll be here at the front. Maybe you have a prayer need, a prayer request. I'll be here. Or maybe you're saying, no, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is where God is calling me to be as a church. I want to be part of this body as God re- re- brings life to this congregation. I want to be here, Lord. I want to see you do what only you can do. If you're supposed to be part of this congregation, you can also come. I'd love to talk with you. Um, Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for Jesus. Would you let us fall in love with him? May his praise be ever on our lips. Would the message of salvation be always ready to make the most of every opportunity. Give us wisdom. Give us sensitivity and love. Make us like your son. We pray in his name, the name of Jesus. Amen.